I don't have all the answers as much as I want everybody to think I have all of the answers or make it appear as though I have all the answers or so then sometimes I am okay at that but at that time I didn't and I needed to go through that in order to get to the spot of humility in my life to say all right Jesus um I'm 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 surrendering I'm calling uncle and I need you and 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 I did not know I thought I had faith at that point and then Jesus showed me he says oh you think you're like it's that difference between belief and trust I, I believed in him and believed in him deeply and I, I would say I had many uh, radical acts of trust throughout my life but that was the the first time I really felt that it was a complete and utter act of trust. like I I could not rely on any of my gifts of any of my skills I said Jesus I'm just surrendering this all to you because nothing's going according to my plan uh, and that was the moment where I felt this is this is what real faith is and and i i had just encountered it two and a half years ago you know and i was a priest for five and a half years at that point welcome to the ron huntley leadership podcast helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support the organizations they serve and the communities they live this podcast will make you think laugh and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation passion and purpose if you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Ron Huntley. Welcome to the Leadership Podcast. I love having conversations that get us thinking and talking about things that matter, things that make a difference. You know, being a priest is not easy. We all know that. And at what point does somebody decide to get coaching? Why do they get decide to get coaching? It's all kinds of different reasons, but I'll tell you, very seldom do I see a young pastor decide to get coaching. My guest today is Father Adam Cesaric, and he is and has been getting coaching from Amazing Parish. Uh, he's doing a course with me right now. It's been so fun to get to know him, and we're going to break open a little bit about where he's at, how he got there, and his hopes for the future. Father, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Ron. Yeah, it's always fun. You know, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement to visit with you. And hopefully uh, we'll get somewhere where the Lord wants us to get to today. I, I have no doubt in that whatsoever. It's been a treat getting to know you and your brother priests in, in the Diocese of Peoria as we've been working together. And one of the things, actually, maybe for the sake of our listeners, what have been some of the influences in your life that have kind of led you to grow deeper in your love for Jesus and his church? Sure. Just simple enough. I went I, I, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. I ended up going to a Catholic camp, a Catholic college, not because I was super excited to go to a Catholic campus, but because they recruited me for baseball. And um, so I went there and little did I know what the Lord had in store. I would, my junior year of college focus showed up on the campus, Fellowship of Catholic University students, and I uh, didn't intend on getting involved in a Bible study or getting involved in what they had to offer, but thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit kept pushing me between the missionary on the campus and uh, one of a girlfriend at the time who was telling me, why don't you get more engaged in your faith? And so sometimes we guys need a woman in our life to tell us to do the right kinds of things. And it's so, um, true. so I went and got went to that Bible study expecting I'd never go back. But it was really among that group of guys where I realized, wow, like something good is happening here. I always desired that, especially depth of conversation and about our faith and challenge to be holy. And so that's, the, I would say, how the Lord reached me more than anything else my family grew up in the faith thanks be to god that was a great gift a good foundation but i'd say i fell in love with jesus specifically through the gift of missionaries with with focus when i was on campus and seeing their witness of faith that led me to want to have more as well so that was the starting point i could say you know a lot more about that but i'd say maybe the biggest thing on that front is it led me to become a focused missionary and when i became a missionary I saw the faith alive like I had never seen the faith alive before. I said, wow, this is what I desire. This is where I want to go. And so that would, I would say, being a missionary and being around other holy people who are on fire for Jesus and our Catholic faith was the biggest thing to lead me down the path to where I am today. 
I love hearing that. And I know Focus and CCO and Net Ministries, they've, they've uh, done an amazing, and they continue to do amazing work at bringing people at a particular age into an experience and encounter with Christ and call them to so much more. And it's so beautiful. Just recently, I had Louis Kane on, and he too was a Focus missionary. And he just talked about how difficult it was going from being a missionary in that community and then winding up in a Paris that felt like death warmed over a lot of times. Has that been your experience? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, one of the, cause I was kind of bitter when I had to leave focus. I kind of thought I'd do that forever. Right. Um, I, God called me to the seminary and I went there kind of kicking and screaming and everybody had even kind of said when I go to seminary uh, that, you know, all the fraternity will blow you away. And I was like, well, I don't know that the fraternity can get much better than what I have there, you know, and mm. um, I had great brothers and great gifts and priesthood and, and, and as a seminarian, but uh, it really was, a, it was a faith alive in a way that I hadn't seen before. And then, you know, you go to the parishes as friends of mine from Focus will say from time to time that Focus was the greatest blessing and the greatest curse that we've ever received in our life all at the same time, because it shows you what could be like the amazing nature of running with all these people on fire for Jesus and the faith. And then you go into a parish and you say, oh, this is not the experience of what I remember when I was a missionary. And you know that even when you go through seminary, you understand that. But you kind of think, oh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to fix it all. I'm going to save it all from the, you know, the boringness and the mundane and the mediocrity that everybody is comfortable with. And yeah. uh, going in with that kind of, I don't know, in some sense, my own arrogance of thinking I'm going to, I'm going to do this uh, and use my own gifts and my own skills and my own abilities to accomplish this. All by, I'm going to save the church. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and uh, always, <laughs> and um and fall into that trap of thinking I'm going to be the one to do this. If it's not here, I'm going to make it happen. And right. that is where really I'd say got me going down the path that I knew I needed some help. You can speak as much or as little about that as you want. Oh no, let's crack you. that open. No, that's, <laughs> that's gold right there. <laughs> We're not avoiding that topic. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a kind of, I guess, an anomaly to some extent. I'm the only priest I seminary. There was 40 guys in my class. And um, of those 40 men, I think I'm the only one at the same parish that I started at. Usually young guys end up moving, moving quite a bit to get different experiences and, you know, encounter different pastoral approaches. I, I, for whatever reason, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm still at the same parish bishop always used to tell me he was going to move me but i kept sticking around and um so i moved and then you got a from, new bishop <laughs> exactly yep and and so the i was the assistant here for i guess it was four years and then my fourth year is my going into my fifth year as a priest i was invited to be the administrator that the administrator role for those of you who don't know is generally for guys who haven't been pastors before and just in case they have no idea what they're doing we're going to pull them out before they become a pastor and so um that's generally and that I, I became the administrator so starting to learn you know what to do how to do it I had been taking on more strategic plans even when I was the assistant so I you know and then I came in and I guess we'll get to the you know to the serious stuff from there uh, I thought that I could fix all of the problems, a little bit of the Messiah complex. I thought that, you know, my charming positive uh, disposition would just be able to get everybody in the parish to just get on board. They all know me. They've spent five years with me. So and I, yeah. when, so I thought really I'd be able to just go all in really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and instead of everybody running with me, I, pushed everybody to a level uh i don't know in in, in amazing parish moves talk about their it, it performance and humanity and in the middle of those two is human dignity and i would probably score myself at that point 90 percent performance and 10 percent humanity wow. and um just pushing like and i thought well if, if they're not good, like 
it, it's good for them in the long run. Like that dad who just tells your kids, this is going to be what you do, whether you like it or not. Right. And um, I, I started to sense that in me. I said, I, and uh, that was, and then in the middle of all of that, like as I was just getting some things going and I had, a, I always kind of say it this way as I had, basically a whole bunch of dead bodies around me because I pushed them so hard and a bunch right. of angry people who were just frustrated like keep you pushing us so hard you put your in that was always it's a I always considered it a gift like just being able to you know have a strong willpower and um discipline and my coach and amazing and when I eventually got to coaching and I'll get to that more in tale but sure he, he he revealed to me he's like father you're very faithful you're very disciplined and you're very courageous the problem is is you lack wisdom <laughs> and uh, that's just what a fellow likes to hear wait a minute i'm the priest <laughs> <laughs> and um so and i did i had to go to some really like when you're a super and just admittedly the sin that i'm gonna i've struggled with in my life is pride and stubbornness um and I didn't know that. I just, I just thought everybody followed in the past because uh, I was positive and I was joyful and everybody just said, oh yeah, we'll follow him. And it turns out maybe I learned a little bit that the reason that they followed is if they didn't follow, um, I would outwill them and just tell them like, this is what we're going to do anyhow. Um, cause if, and if you could tell me why you have a better idea, then I'd go with it. But if you couldn't tell me, then we're going with mine. And I just kept bulldozing people. Mm-hmm. And that, really hurt because in my thought was I didn't I didn't put the humanity and performance side to it before I said you know what I'm going to do I'm going to put all of the I call them the doers at the parish and then the spiritual people at the parish my my thought was like oh I'll be able to get them all to figure out how to work together I'm going to put them all together and I'm going to make them work together and I'm going to be able to solve this problem I'm going to make the doers spiritual I'm going to make the spiritual people doers and um, in turn I just made them all mad and many of them like just said, I don't want to be involved there, you know? And I was like, that's so I, I, in the process of all of that COVID showed up. Um, and I always (laughs) saved everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Saved by COVID. Yeah. Uh huh. And and in some sense, thanks be to God, it did because I was pushing all of that and I had to learn some really big lessons that I need to be humble in a way that I did not know I needed to be humble. I need and I everything you know at that point. What's I purposelessness starts to settle in. I, I always said if I'm gonna be a pastor and I don't have a parish on fire, then I'll just go hunt them down and you know get them. But I couldn't even do that in COVID. I could do nothing. I, what's the point? I it was purposelessness, um, and I was I, I tend to be the one to solve problems and come up with solutions and. That's how I kind of identified myself as like mm. I'm a solutions guy and I was coming up with no solutions. So I isolated myself even more um, during that time. I didn't want to talk to my family because I didn't want them to know I was going through this as well. So mm. I need like I want them. I don't want to talk to mom because mom's going to call out what she sees in me. And if I talk to her, she's going to say, what's wrong with you? And thanks be to God. Finally, she did start to call some of them. Like she, I remember her saying this. It's such It was such a humbling conversation. And she shared everything that she wanted to share. And after she shared everything, she says, how are you? I said, I'm fine. You know, things are good. And she knew that was a lie. And she said, it is amazing to me how we can be in the middle of a worldwide pandemic and everybody is losing their minds. But my son's fine. He's just doing great, you know? <laughs> and, and so that conversation really, those, those kind of things where I realized like my life is kind of falling apart. Everything I thought I was good at I can't do, or I'm not doing well. Hmm. I I realized, I said, this is going to be a time in these next months, however long this COVID thing lasts, I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to, I, I said, you know, I always said to everybody, everybody should be in counseling. It's time to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to go into counseling and I'm going to learn like what, like I know that I tend to think things than feel things. And so I know I need to work on, I know people who come to me tend to be people who are thinkers more than feelers. And and I'm not as good with people who are feeling through things. Even when people would say it to me, like, I feel that I was like, oh, don't tell me that I want to know what you think, not what you feel. And I was like, and it clear those clear things that became reality to me of 
oh shoot, like I have to work on what's going on inside of me and stop bulldozing myself to do things that I think I'm supposed to do and listen to what God's trying to say. So I did the counseling thing. I uh, got much more serious about spiritual direction. I, I had like six coaches in my life. I was like, I got to work on my eating habits. So I had like, an, you know, all these different things that this is just who I am. And then in the process of all of that, I discovered um, that coaching is available for leadership through Amazing Parish as well, which I had worked with before, but I didn't know they had coaching. Mm. And so I kind of just said, if I can't do anything or help anybody or anything like that, let's let's become a better human being by the grace of God with some people who can show me that because I'm clearly not doing that well, or at least in the way I thought I should. And let's work on the things that I'm not doing well. So I did that. That's what I kind of spent my COVID doing is working yeah. on all of those areas that I could do something about. And that was focusing on me becoming a better uh, person by the grace of God and mm -hmm. some other people who could help me get there. So that's how I got into coaching after a whole lot of mess. It was awful. Like stubborn, prideful people. It takes you get into the pit, bottom of the pit. Um, right. When you kind of have any level of success as a stubborn, prideful person, you can kind of hold on to that. At that, yeah. point, was, at that point in my life, it was the first time where I felt nothing in my life was going successfully according to how I would like it to right now. And, and and I remember this line came to mind. This is probably, I don't know if this is an appropriate line, but it's like, yeah. turns out if everybody around you in your life seems like the asshole, maybe yeah. you're, they're not the asshole. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had to realize that like, maybe it's me. Maybe I am the guy that is making everybody miserable. And, um, and I, and in the process, um, I had to learn that, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's that was a big one and um so thanks be to god uh the holy spirit entered in and beat mm -hmm. my pride down and he still has to do that some days but uh, uh by the grace of god i'm a different person because of all of those things and right. those ugly times it's not amazing thank you for sharing that by the way I, I i really mean that because you know i can just hear some people listening to this podcast now maybe some pastors who are are way further along in their priesthood and hopefully they've come to the same conclusions you have but I'm, i know they'd be saying to themselves i wish i would have learned what you know i wish i would have learned it mm -hmm. when i was at that point in my vocation as a priest because for a lot of guys it takes a lot longer to learn what you learned um because you know you're probably highly apostolic in terms of the charism and you're you're a real driver in terms of your personality and one of the things i was saying to you earlier i've been enjoying uh working with uh the diocese of peoria and and the, the priest that the bishop blue put together uh, and as you share or, or there's another guy who shares too and you guys have a very similar personality and you all, both of you will be smirking while the other one's sharing and I'm quietly killing myself laughing because I know you both have that driver personality, that strong will, that, you know, different levels of success and things you've done in the past that you're taking to what you do. And I actually admire that, that, that personality. And there's all kinds of different ways to lead and they can all be effective, but it just makes me smile because I know how hard you try, like, you know, being an athlete as well, you know, you don't become a good athlete who gets recruited to play ball, just showing up and playing with your sister. I mean, not that your sister's not good at ball, but you have to train, you have to, you have to get coaching, you have to compare yourself to others, you have to try harder, wake up earlier, you know, work through fatigue, all kinds of things as an athlete to be great. And then to have that success, to have that success as a missionary, you probably do okay in the seminary and enjoy your brother priests and and then do do well as an associate and then and then to begin to experience that level of pain and 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 failure as a priest as a pastor like that must have been dark like that would be hard it was um it you know and, and you know you learn these things in seminary you learn these things in life that you know, that you will carry the cross, you will bear the cross. And that was the time that was that, that that was maybe I'd say a year or so of my life was probably the darkest time of my life. And I always knew 
that you know we we are a Paschal mystery church, you know, suffering, death, resurrection, and but I, you know, in the middle of that stuff, I was like, Jesus, I know this suffering and this death is good for me, but this sucks, you know. And I, I, I wanted out. I was like, When's the resurrection gonna come? And um, the resurrection did come, and I, I'd say I'm living that at this point a little bit more. And God's, you know, every day is a little bit of a mm. Paschal mystery, suffering, death, and a little bit of a resurrection. But I mean never had I experienced that kind of darkness before. And, you know, I, I would say a pivotal conversation in that time for me was, uh, I don't think he'd care if I shared this. It was a conversation with my brother. Yeah. Um, who, you know, my brother, his just different moments in his life where he struggled with depression and things like that. And I always knew it was in our family. It's in a lot of people in our family. And, um, I, I always thought I could outthink it. I was like, I know what it looks like enough, you know, to outthink mm -hmm. it. And then in that time, I really, I was like, oh, this is how they feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I and, and I remember I did, the one person I didn't want to talk to about it was my brother, because I wanted, I always want to appear strong, you know, like I have my act together. And uh, eventually I talked to him and I remember two things that, that he said that, that were pretty life-changing in those moments in that darkness as well. One was, he, he was such a good brother moment. Is Adam, this is, this is going to help you to be empathetic in a way that you've never been able to be empathetic before. He says, because you've always known what it's like. To, you've known intellectually what this looks like. And he says, you've never felt this before. And he says, you have empathy with people in a way that you've never had empathy with people because of what you're going through right now. Um, and so that was a great blessing. And he said that in the like very kind beautiful brotherly way and he argues with me this isn't what he said if it wasn't what he said it's what i needed to hear and <laughs> yeah so, so god he, translated he, for you yeah. he said he also said he says isn't it amazing and he says that's not what i said but i was like man i got it's what i needed to hear he says isn't it amazing how for the first time in adam's life he couldn't succeed at something hmm. and i was like there it is jesus that's the wound that I cause in people. That's the wound that I do that I always have to look like I have to have it together. And I always look like he's got it. And if he doesn't have it, he's going to come up with a plan to solve it. And he's going to do that. That was right in that moment. I said, Jesus, that's what we have to talk about. And that's why I have to get involved with all these different things and get some coaching because mm. I don't have all the answers as much as I want everybody to think I have all of the answers or make it appear as though I have all the answers or so then sometimes I am okay at that. But at that time I didn't, and I needed to go through that in order to get to the spot of humility in my life to say, all right, Jesus, um, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering, I'm calling uncle and I need you. And, and, and I did not know, I thought I had faith on, at that point. And then Jesus showed me, he says, oh, you think you're like, it's that difference between belief and trust. I, I believed in him and believed in him deeply. And I, I would say I had many uh, radical acts of trust throughout my life, but that was the, the first time I really felt that it was a complete and utter act of trust. Like I, I could not rely on any of my gifts of any of my skills. I said, Jesus, I'm just surrendering this all to you because nothing's going according to my plan. Uh, and that was the moment where I felt this is, this is what real faith is. And, and I, I had just encountered it two and a half years ago, you know, and I was yeah. a priest for five and a half years at that point. So, um, yeah. So that was big, huge. Um, and that that's amazing. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you know, you're good. Yep. I was just thinking it's, it's amazing how, you know, it's not one and done with God, is it? Like, I love the scripture from John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Prunes those branches that don't bear fruit and tosses them. The ones that do bear fruit, he prunes those too, so they bear more fruit. This, this feeling of getting pruned at different times, it hurts. Mm. But it's for our good, just like your brother was saying. Like, what, what, a, what a beautiful, you're blessed to have a, a wonderful family and your mom and your brother, I'm sure others, but, you know, these times where they could speak into you in ways that, obviously landed and made a difference but but there's this beautiful pruning he wants us to grow and be even better and 
usually we can't get better until we tap out what we know. And that's what I see in coaching all the time is people will get to a certain point and now they have to choose because they're they're going to have to evolve, whether it's the pastor and or the pastor and his leadership team. It's like, yes, you've been very successful to hear, but you're not going to get to that next level by taking all the same attitudes, behaviors, beliefs, ways of what you're doing. You're That's not going to get you to the next level. And you have to decide, is it good enough to stay here or are you willing to evolve? And it takes a lot of energy. It's scary. There's no guarantees. It's like, I know now you have to go in faith because up until now you've gone on your ability and capacity, but next, the next walk is a faith walk. Yeah. And, and I see it and just beautiful that you were able to do that. Yeah. Thanks be to God for it. Cause I mean, it is, it's always those dark moments in life that lead us to a new creation, you know, and uh, we're, we're entering into that. That's been the gift just all of those things that I was very like, just before we got on this podcast, I was sitting with a couple of people on my leadership team and just that sense of being just this last couple of weeks has just been overwhelming. And just to be able to sit with my leadership team and to be able to say, God, it's like, I don't have to bear it on my own anymore. Like guys, like, I, like, I don't want to be the one to bring you all down today, but I need to talk some stuff out. I'm frustrated, you know? And in the past, I felt the brunt of just having to do that all on my own and the gift of a leadership team to just be able to say, hey, guys, um, I know I'm not usually the Debbie Downer of the group or anything, you know, like I don't I try not to be that I try to like yeah. maintain, but I, we try to be really honest. We always do our, our colors before we do a meeting. And I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm tell I'm us just, about the colors. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> oh, OK. So um, what we do is. At the beginning of every meeting, red, yellow, green, um, and yes. you can, yeah. So those kind of, and it, it is, it's, it's been so helpful on, on doing that where we just say, today, if I'm red, I'm like, talk me off the ledge. I'm about ready to lose my mind. I can't handle anymore. Take some stuff off my plate. I need you. Help me. You know, um, mm -hmm. yellow. I'm not great, um, but I'm not about ready to lose my mind completely. Mm -hmm. And um, and then green. I'm. I'm ready to run, you know, I'm ready to go, whatever we got to do. And it gives us a chance to know what kind of meeting we're going to have to begin with. If That's so good. We, we have that sense of like, okay, all three of us are yellow or below, or all four of us are yellow or below. Well, then we're not, it's not going to be about what do we need to accomplish today? What we need to accomplish right now at this meeting is saying like, how do we like lean into one another on a human level and help and breathe the Holy spirit into that with one another pray with one another, right? like what, like listen to one another to be able to understand like, oh, wow, Father's really struggling like, what he's going through right now. And like in the past, I just have to, like, I got to figure that out on my own or I'll call a brother priest four hours away and say, hey, brother, like I'm struggling right now. Not every priest is going to do that either, you know? Um, it's true. Uh, and so we just sit there and we bear it and we bear it. And, and now to be able to go to them and at the end of that conversation, because I told them, I said, I'm like orange, maybe I, 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 yellow would be too positive. I'd be, it wouldn't be honest for me to say, you know? And right. so, um, so I just kind of told them that and they know, and I'm, it's very rare where I'm in that, that lower half of the color scheme, you know, to begin with. And so sure. they knew it was like, we need to, we need to support father right now. And to just come out of that meeting saying, okay, I got some of that stuff off and I'm not sitting with it anymore. There's still some of those problems still exist, but they started helping like, father, what about this? What about that? Mm -hmm. um, and then praying together with it and, and reminding me like, Hey, have you stopped to spend some time with Jesus? I was like, yes. Um, however, apparently need some more, you know, and so can you do it with me? <laughs> um, right. <laughs> that's, that's been so helpful because that's what coaching helped me to see because I had put teams, I had tried putting my own teams together thinking, well, yes. I'm pretty good at this team thing and um, I think I can do that. And that maybe is some of the, maybe some helpful things to talk about here would be, I like, I created an awful team dynamic. I didn't know that I did, but I, I, you know, I, I, I just said created tension and I, I didn't know the things I didn't know how to solve the problems. These problems were above my level of understanding of 
said, well, I know that we need to be vulnerable with one another. I'm trying to be vulnerable, but these other people are getting vulnerable with me because they were intimidated by me. And I didn't know that, but like they were, you know, and so uh, they, I I was just always a lot, you know, and, and you can imagine that based on this conversation, I suppose, you know, and um, it's tempered a little bit. And so this is a tempered side thing. Speaking of God, um, it's still not perfect by any means, but um, the the sense of, like, for instance, I, I knew if we were going to do this, we had to have certain people on board with the future and the vision and the leadership. And I knew one of them was going to be our principal. I said, I have to get the principal on board. Yeah. She would definitely not care about me sharing. We were a mess. Like her and I's relationship, it was bad. It was really, and there were times she, I, I can think of at least three or four times when I was getting this all figured out, she walked out of meetings because she was so angry with me. And, and I, and I was like, well, she needed to walk out of, you know, like just pride, yeah. you know, like all of yeah. and, um, and, and what was the frustration? I didn't understand what I, we started to learn as we got into coaching more. Hey father, um, she was, she was a newer Catholic. Uh, I have, like I had high expectations about what a person should be living in their spiritual life and how they should be living that. And she felt incredibly intimidated as a newer Catholic by the expectations that I set for her. And then simultaneously, she, she, she wouldn't care. Like, as we talk about this regularly, like she had trust issues that she like just common core trust issues where wounds were that needed to be worked through. And I'm um, it's that intricate balance between like, I love helping people work through trust wounds and all of that, except I was her boss and her leader. And at the same time, trying to lead her through that. And it created great, like this greater level of tension. It's like, you got to share this stuff. And she was not comfortable wanting to share it with me. And I was trying to bulldoze those things out of her. And um, so I was like, in order to get anywhere, we're going to have to do this, you know, and and I didn't do it in the right way. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. and what we, she got frustrated with me because I tend to look at the world from a very strategic, big picture, you know, wondering and considering things and how do we make things better. Um, And she tends to be very tactical and um, task driven and get tasks done. And so she was frustrated with me because she felt my mind was always in the clouds. Like you're always thinking about like the next thing and the new idea or whatever, how we're going to solve the next thing. And you're never doing the thing, you know? And, and then meanwhile, I was like, well, that's why we don't ever get anything done because you're always doing the thing, putting out fires. We never think about how to actually solve them. And we were grappling and it was ugly and it got really messy. Um, so much so, like I said, she walked out of meetings and she was frustrated and she didn't feel supported by me. And I didn't, I, I thought for sure, uh, at certain points, like, I'm going to have to let her go. We're not going to make it. There's no yeah. way we're going to make it. And Very um, common thought, yeah. And um, I worked with the coach a little bit, and he's, you know, he even sat in on some of our meetings virtually, and he'd be like, Father, did you realize, like, what you did or what you said when you were in the middle of that that staff meeting? And like, well, she needed to hear it. She's like, did she really need to hear that? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, so just be and and say, I, I it was something that I realized like I could not be the one to solve that. I I needed someone else to help me learn how to work through a deeply yeah. problematic team dynamic. And now it's so awesome, like the difference of where we are today. Really? So you were able she, to repair that and, and build were. trust and stop it. That yes. is awesome. It is awesome. It was really cool because we we are running together in a way that I, I never thought. I, it was nothing short of a miracle by the grace of God that we got right. there because I, I she didn't think it was going to work. I didn't think it was going to work. And both of us just said, all right, we're going to be humble and we're going to take this. And, and it meant some really difficult, ugly conversations at times, but were I had they to facilitate it conversations. Or of, they... Yes. Yes. Yep. So, some of those were very, yeah. And then we started to learn uh, how to do those better ourselves. And we don't need quite as much nice. facilitation because we know right. now, like, oh, we know where in, in like to think two years ago, like she'll be at a meeting with me and she'll say something like, Hey father, the thing that you're doing right now that drives everybody crazy, you're doing it right now. And and two years ago, if she would have said that I'd come unglued, 
I would have come, I would have absolutely, I would have said, who the heck are you to tell me, you know, whereas now she'll say that to me and I'll be like, I am doing the thing that I do right now that drives everybody crazy. Thank you for calling that out, Karen. And it's, it's a poor girl. Her, her name is Karen in the middle of all of this what stuff. With COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but God bless her. Cause the same thing for me, I'm like, Hey, Karen. Hey, the thing you do right, you do that you do right now that drives everybody crazy. And we know what it is, and she knows what it is for me, and I know yeah. what it is for her. And why? Because we trust one another. We didn't trust one another before, and mm. it took a long time to get there, um, and to have to un to have just greater understanding of how that works and the dynamics of that. It's it's been a game changer, and she will now. What we do is like she'll send me. A message at the beginning of the week and we do our one-on-one -on -one meeting together on Thursdays and she'll send me a list she's like and what she used to do is she'd bombard me with 15 things all at once and that's going to send me <laughs> into meltdown mode you know I, I I'm not I if I have time to think through a problem I can come up with a pretty good solution but if you throw a bunch of them at me at once yeah I'm not gonna I, I, I go into panic mode mm. and so now what she'll do is she'll we lean into each other's strengths where she'll send me just a here's the three most important things that I need you to think about, think about between now and Thursday. And on Thursday, I'm going to come at it with some pretty good ideas because I've had three or four days to think about it already. And, and I'm going to come there and I'm going to be able to help her support her through tough things that she finds exhausting because she doesn't like looking at that big picture problem and solving those. Well, right. meanwhile, well, meanwhile, I'm sitting at my desk and I have 15 things sitting on and I'm pulling my hair out. I don't have that much to lose, but I'm pulling my hair out to like get all of this done she's like hey she loves doing those kind of things can I do two or three of those things for you and just get those off your desk and that to, that's the different like it's it's support and accountability you know like she's I know she's going to support me and I don't have to worry about her I don't get frustrated that she she's good at what she's good at I'm glad mm -hmm. she's good what she's good at instead of being angry that she's good she's not right. good at the thing I'm good at Amen. and um and that has been the big game changer of working together and she's the biggest example on our team but other examples on the team as well it's a couple yeah. of things that it's just such a it's such a great it's such a victory story like thanks be to god because those aren't always easy to turn around and kudos to your coach like way to go man like that that is so great when we can help people through through trust issues on teams and and really contentious situations it's it's so exciting because those are the best stories ever because like, they need to happen a couple of things i just want to bring up one of them is that i you're the only person and i'm not saying other people don't but i know very few people that have been able to work with a principal on their leadership team not because they don't want them on their leadership team because they're usually very well educated very faithful tons of skills like they're they're great but they're also so weighed down and busy with all their responsibility at their school mm -hmm. that it often they often don't have the time. So that's really neat that you've been able to make that work. Mm -hmm. It has been. And like I said, I didn't think it was going to work, you know, and for a long time. But we did. And, and it was ultimately like because this is what I get to do for her in a sense is I'll go over there and say, hey, do we need to pull out of like quadrant one as Stephen Covey calls it like you know urgent and important you know what is it important and urgent um at the same time and what human beings tend to do is go between quadrant one and quadrant four which is important and urgent to not important and not urgent and we, that's like Netflixing and watching you know we, yes. we live here so much that then we get exhausted all we got left for is to sit and veg and watch tv for a long time and so we right. don't end up, and my my wheelhouse is quadrant two, which is right. um, important but not urgent. You right. know, and those are <laughs> and, leadership um, issues that transform mm -hmm. organizations. Yes. Yep. So, and I always refer to that. I said that's also what on the spiritual level we call prayer. You know, <laughs> so we well, just go to, to put a dig into the person who's a real task oriented. Atta boy, way to stick it to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and so anyhow, I. I say, hey, I'm going to come in there and we're going to spend some time pulling out of quadrant one for a little while. We're going to spend some time getting out of the tactical world because that's what she lives in. And I get it. And I don't want to live in her world because it would drive me insane. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not yeah. do it. It's, it, would, it would destroy me. And yeah. um, But she can and she can do it. But 
it doesn't mean that I can't go in there and say, hey, because she needs it sometimes too. Everybody can only handle so much of that, even if you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. say hey let's get out of this and that's why we every every morning when we do our parish leadership team meetings we we tell her come over to our office because our office is much more quiet and it's going to be it's going to be more peaceful there aren't going to be kids coming in with bloody noses or parent you know teachers hollering down the hallway or whatever it's the office at the parish is a lot more going to be a more peaceful setting so we and every Mm -hmm. day you come over here so that we can get you out and do our 15 10 15 minute check-in every day so that you you can get out of the chaos and if you need to go back into the chaos you have a little more peace going back into it mm-hmm. um and when i need to be reminded that it's nice and peaceful over here as much as i don't think it is sometimes you know um <laughs> and i'm overwhelmed i go over to the school and be like oh how do you get anything done you know <laughs> um and we can lean into each other on it's just the gift of using each other's strengths instead of getting frustrated with our weaknesses so yeah How's the uh, what is the what is the parish scene like? How how have they has anybody made any comments in terms of what they've witnessed in you? Oh yeah, especially leadership. Um, mm. Our we have go- grown from. I mean, when I first started, we just had the one. We had our parish secretary, who's also on my leadership team, um, which is an awesome story of cool transformation too because she definitely saw herself as like a a nine to four thirty kind of person like I you know this, this is a job I come in from nine to four thirty and she is on mission with us now like it's awesome to see her, her shift of mindset so like no this is this is a mission that I have and I have a particular goal and role in that mission and so she has seen that because she was on the leadership team with me when it was extremely dysfunctional as well, but she's kind of a right. peacekeeper. She's always one to figure out like she, she's pretty even go easy going. Is it going to get worked up one way or the other? Um, and so she has walked through those foibles with me and she would definitely say, okay, yeah, father's different. But the beauty is, as I see there, she's different too. You know, like she is now, like we're leaning in because I, and I've, so I've been honest with her. I said, there were times I was worried in the past that you would never want anything more than just a job from nine to four thirty, you know? And I prayed about that. And I was like, Jesus, how do we want, get her to want more? And it's the beauty of investing more into her. And even now she leads our, she's much better because like at a staff meeting, um, we, my, like I tend to lose new strategy and look at big picture and pull us out and let's wonder about that. She's much more tactical as well. Like get things done. And I said, no, you need to lead our team meetings at staff because if I do, I get us dreaming about all kinds of like those staff meetings. They need to be tactical. They need to get things done. And I don't help get things done a lot of times. I come up with more problems and how do we solve these? And, <laughs> more and, opportunities. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so she leads those and that's just a complete game changer. Now she feels like, I think it was a line you used in our last talk together. Um, that sense of don't delegate tasks, but delegate authority. Mm-hmm. And, and now she gets it well enough that I don't, ha- like, I don't have to just delegate tasks to her. I can delegate the authority like Patty, like I need you to lead these meetings because you're going to do it better than I am because it's a different meet these kind of meetings. I don't lead as well you know um so can you lead them for me and she's like and she was nervous i said i'll be there i'll walk through it with you but now she she's been doing it for months now and they're much more effective meetings than they were than i was leading them so and it's so empowering like way to go like i can't imagine how much she's grown as a result of your friendship and your trust and as you evolved and recognize you just because you're the priest doesn't mean you have to lead everything you know there are going to be some things you're better at than others and so call on the gifts of others for the good of everybody, for the good of the mission. It's just so solid. So fun. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said, and, and I just find it interesting, and I see it all the time, and I'm sure you do too, Like, but just remember when you were going to a Catholic college, you didn't necessarily stoke to go just because it was a Catholic place to, mm-hmm. to continue to live out your faith more so they recruited you for baseball and and then it was a lovely girlfriend who said you should really take your faith more seriously why don't you go do do this study or whatever um and yet that's the very attitude and perspective that frustrates the daylights out of you 
after you've surrendered your life, after you've become a priest, after you've been in a parish, it's like you are your 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 past self is your current self's biggest frustration. And isn't it yeah. wild how we all of a sudden have no patience for yeah. that person? It's like, mm -hmm. what? We literally came from that place because I did too. Like I said, yeah. ah, church, oh, it's so boring. Do mm -hmm. I really have to go, mom? Like this stinks, <laughs> and, uh -huh. you know, too. And so that it's funny how we can lose sensitivity and, and sometimes become um, less aware of what it's like to not mm -hmm. have that encounter that relationship that absolute confidence of how much i'm loved by god who just it's crazy as it sounds like he's real and it's so beautiful and so like, yeah but i didn't always know that either <laughs> <laughs> amen to that and and it, it is like we become so yes we're least patient with the people that are most like us right and um <laughs> And so that's that because we see their like their weakness draws out what we also need to work on. And if we don't take that to Jesus, that turns into a wound instead of, you know, and mm. like, oh, I still need work on that. And I know they struggle with that. And so it in turns, you know, if it doesn't get brought over to Jesus, it just turns into the woundedness. And, yeah. you know, it's funny you say that because that that's been one of the coolest things for me is like. My principal Karen, who I was talking about, she she always felt like like early on she always felt as though she's never going to be holy enough because I made her feel that I didn't I didn't try to make her feel that way, but right. I made her feel that way. I'll never be holy enough. I'll never be at the level he wants me to be. And and what's so cool to see today is her transformation. She says, Father, now I see why you were so frustrated with all of the teachers at the school. You know, like, but like, why? Because she says, like, now she's drawing that out of them and she, some of them get it really well and others she's trying to get there. And now she's taking that very thing. She Now she's like, it's just, even that helps me and uh, in my own way. Yes. Oh, she's struggling with what I struggled with. And now she's frustrated with them because she gets it now and they don't get it now. And she wants to get them to get it. And some of them do and some of them don't. She's irritated. She's like, they're so irritating when they're that way. She's like, father, I was, I'm so sorry. I was that way. And I said, <laughs> just that peace that comes and hearing her say that and what you were saying there. Now she's frustrated in the same way I was. And like to see that, that what a gift and a blessing and how I can walk with her through it. Cause I'll say, Hey, remember when we were here, when you're frustrated with so-and-so teacher at the school who isn't getting on board with your desire to go make disciples and, and get all of this stuff happening or doesn't want to share their witness talk or whatever it is. And you're frustrated because they don't want to share their witness talk. Well, she says, and now she gets you. I said, let's remember where we were at one point. And, and, I said, we got to keep walking with them. We'll walk with them. And if we see, that's the gift, you know, little by little. And so that's really cool. What you brought up, I you know, yeah. went right into that. That's beautiful. I see my, uh, you know, I think about, you know, the friends that I have who I love dearly. I just have so many great friends who I love dearly and, and they don't have faith. Uh, you know, they, you know, some of them, you know, maybe were baptized as, as, as babies and stuff, but don't have faith. And I think to myself, like it's not a case of better than or, or 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 anything like that. Like I don't know what feelings people feel around me sometimes that that it's or you that it's like oh he thinks he's better he thinks I'm not good enough or it's like no it's actually none of those things. Mm -hmm. now, I remember when when um, I was a a young dad and and the the, the young fellow next door, you know their their marriage didn't work out and um and so the mom was bringing the young boy who we just loved uh over he was a couple of years older than my son my son was only like i don't know two or three he wasn't very old and he'd spend you know an hour hour and a half in the morning before he went to school because his mom had to go to work a little early and we we're glad to have him and um i'll never forget this every day when i would leave for work as the pharmaceutical shed iron my shirt which was a lost cause because i never left the house with an iron shirt it always got re-wrinkled again because i'd be hugging my kids and stuff and so every day i'd grab my son and i'd hug him and i'd kiss him and i'd tickle him and i'd tell him how great he was and how much i loved him and and every day he'd come running when he knew i was leaving because for that for that affection mm. for that hug for that kiss for that 
tickle. And, and that one morning I was leaving, him and his friend came running to the door. And I picked up Christian and I did all that to him again. And his friend was just standing there with his big eyes looking and smiling and thought it was <laughs> great. And then I put him down and I was just about to go out the door. And my son said, hey, dad, what about him? Uh, and I thought to myself, oh, well, and I grabbed him and I picked him up and I kissed him and I hugged him and he's squirming and laughing and I was tickling him. I told him how great he was and how much I loved him. And I put him back on the beside my son and my son's face was beaming. And I went out to the car and I sat in the car and I realized that's what it's like to share the love of your father with your best friend. Wow. And so often when I do what I do, even both of us, we do what we do, because if you don't know Christ, if you're listening today or, you know, somebody and they don't know Christ or you don't know Christ, we're not judging you. Like we love you. And I'll tell you, your father in heaven loves you so much. And if somehow I was better at helping facilitate that experience no matter how old you are, no matter how much money you have or you don't have or where you came from or what your ethnic background is, does it matter? If I could help you, if I could point to my dad and say, dad, what about her? What about him? And get him to pick you up like that. That's why you and I do what we do, isn't it? Amen. Wow, that was powerful stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Um, what a cool story of understanding. And that is why we do what we do. And yeah, again, those that might be listening to this, just know the love the Father has for you. And that the only reason sometimes we get over, sometimes my personality or other people's personality gets overzealous, or maybe your mom gets overzealous trying to get you back to the faith, is because there's, there's a, as Jesus says, there's a pearl there. And sometimes we scare people, but the goal is never to scare you. It's because we so badly want want others to know the love that which we have encountered and that it's there for everybody it's not just for one person or two it's it's there it's there for us all and so that is awesome thanks for yeah. sharing that yeah you're welcome and i just think about karen karen's there she knows it now mm -hmm. and i'm just so grateful for the karens of the world and so father i'm thanks for for everything you do thanks for such a cool conversation these aren't necessarily easy conversations to have not a lot of people are willing to have them i just appreciate your courage and your openness and i, I really believe a lot of people are going to be encouraged by you today and, and your honesty so thank you yeah thank you and i'm glad to be asked to do it i uh um yeah appreciate you getting me together to do this because sometimes we don't do these kind of things unless someone calls us out as well so thank you for listening to the spirit and giving me the opportunity amen amen you're most welcome and and for all of you that were listening or watching today on youtube thanks for tuning in i hope that you'll share this podcast with somebody that you believe will really enjoy it uh, please subscribe hit the thumbs up add a comment or a question we love interacting with you thank you for everything you do to make your business or your church amazing because we really are in the business of making others great god bless you all i want to encourage you as you lead this week be faithful to god and generous to others see you next time and remember if you're still breathing you are